Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm what happens when you take Steven Dorff and you throw in a little, you know, Lamagra, you know, a little, a little blood god magic for you. And then you add a samurai sword for a cool fight scene with Wesley Snipes. After a few cigarettes, of course. Welcome to the 90s! I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, welcome to Night Vale. That too. And, and should I'm I written. have added... Sh- should I have added, I needed a black leather jacket? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I think it was implied. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And yes, Britain, we are coming after Night Vale. That's our next. I don't even <laughs> know if they are still a thing, but we're coming after them. I, be- you know? I believe they're still going. I believe that, yeah... I don't know how Koshak is doing, but I think that that's a little in in joke for all the Veilers out there, all the Veilheads. But uh, I don't know if Dana Cardinal is still mayor, so that's a spoiler for Veil for future Veilhead. But um, it, we are a full spoiler podcast. I know a lot more about the lore of that show than I thought I did. Let's break down the five heads of Hiram McDaniel's now. <laughs> Uh, Alex, we're talking about Blade this week. What are the scores? <laughs> yes, we're, we're talking about Blade. You remember when we talked about Toy Story last week? Now we're talking about Blade. So, Blade, from 1998, directed by Stephen Norrington. It has a 55% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 78% audience score. I think That's... Welcome to the 90s says it all. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about? It's weird just calling the movie Blade. I feel like something needs to come sure. after it. It can't just be one it's, one word. Yeah, it's a it's a rare like title that would be improved by a nonsense subtitle. Um, and we're right in that era. I mean, I know like we get Blade Trinity and all that, but like if it was called Blade Li- Rise of Lamagra, I'd feel a lot better. And, about it. That's all I'm saying. We'll talk about this, but I believe I, I was looking at the next one has a subtitle in some iterations. <laughs> so, oh, does it really? Yes. I thought it was just Blade Two. I think the official title was Blade Two, but there are like some. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the next one. Um, what? Why would this movie? Because I know you guys were complaining about how a lot of movies have wordy naming conventions. What about the word Blade necessitates a subtitle to you? I feel it's it's like too. Uh, to the point, like Batman. <laughs> I'm um, <laughs> I'm mostly being sarcastic about it. It's just weird with how many franchises we've done that this one's just like no, it's just called Blade. Blade. I, guess I don't know. I feel like that's the way superhero many, movies do. <laughs> like how many one syllable, how many one syllable like superhero movie titles are there? You know, Thor, 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 I guess Hulk, but. Yeah, but that's... I don't know. Spider-Man. Anyway, <laughs> Spider-Man. Britain continues fast, to poke holes in our <laughs> I was Let's move on! I said that and immediately was like... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be at least ten examples. Spawn. I, Spawn is one. <laughs> um, Steel. Sure. <laughs> Starring Shaq. Glass? Um, hey, oh my god. Split. Does split count if we're <laughs> sure. Splice. Um, I uh I think my best thing about Blade uh Blade Revelations is that <laughs> the 
He does have some revelations in this movie. Sure. Most movies do, though, which is kind of why it's a terrible subtitle. Most movies are about giving you information as you go along to watch watch the movie. See, you'd be surprised how many movies don't do that. That's, that's fair. Um, Crimes of Grindelwald? Uh, <laughs> that's the most sickening revelation of all. Anyway, um, I think this. my best thing about uh, this movie is that it does deliver on the kind of action I was hoping for. Mm. Um, there there are some actual like some genuinely cool fights in the movie. Sure. Um, some good choreography. Uh, I think there's definitely stuff that is like, uh, what's what's the word? Not uh, it's like prototypical of um your your Matrix, which I know came out quite soon after this, and yeah. uh, but also even even going on to your John Wicks or what have you, where. There, there's some of that in this in terms of your your gritty R-rated hand-to-hand fighting and and like weapon fighting uh, that I think works quite well in the movie. Um, it's also gory and over the top in a way that I think is is a lot more fun than I expected it to be. Um, yeah, it is genuinely <laughs> horrifying at points. Um, maybe not so much the the action, but there's there's quite a few effects that are just like, oh, that's that's very gross. You proud of yeah. you? You did a good job. <laughs> Did a good. I I see what you were going for, and you did it. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was the thing I was most kind of hoping this movie would deliver on, and it did. Um, I, I think my my worst thing is uh, the rest of the movie that's connecting those action scenes. <laughs> um, I thought that when there was not something happening in the way of action, the movie was very very slow. And very, sure. very hard to get invested in, um, in terms of character, dialogue, plot, <laughs> the the yeah. things that you use to tell the movie. I I, I felt there there was a lot of stuff that I I can't. I know we've talked about movies that I would compare to maybe like a Predator Two, <laughs> kind of the same vibe is that I got from this where it's like there is stuff here. It's not you know bonkers in a way that I, I could never follow it or that I would, I could, you know, rip apart the plot and how ridiculous it is because it's, it's feels fairly straightforward. There's not a lot to it. It's pretty bare bones. Um, but it also is one of those movies where, and maybe, I mean, it's not like the movie had a, a minuscule budget. I think it was like 45 million. I was looking it up. Yeah. Um, so I don't, it, it feels like it has a lower budget than that. <laughs> um, because it feels like the kind of movie where there's a lot of filler to pace out uh, the the points that actually work in the way that a, a worse movie that has no no real redeeming qualities would just kind of sit on something um, and not really have anything of event or notice happen in the movie. Uh, that's kind of how I felt for a lot of it. And then every now and then there would be an action scene. They'd be like, oh, that was pretty cool. Mm. So... I don't know. I feel that. Yeah, I when I was watching it, I could I could not find the right like adjective for it because I kept thinking about when I when we watched Captain Marvel and how I, I used mm. the word muddy for that, where I just kept having trouble like tapping into the movie. Sure, but this, I didn't feel this movie was muddy, so the word I eventually settled on was soupy. 
<laughs> because it just feels like it's just kind of like it kept being like just a little murky to me. I don't know. I just couldn't really. Murky is good as well. Tap it. I yeah, maybe that's... it is murky. Murky. Um, Alex, would you like me to go? Yeah, yeah, you can go. Okay. Well, I hope I'm ready. <sighs> okay, this is your moment. <laughs> if, if you're feeling up to it, buddy. <laughs> no, I. If I don't do it now, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Um. <laughs> There's still a war to fight. <laughs> um, a war against dead air. I. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that my. My worst thing about this movie is, is qualified, as I, I I don't know that everyone would have had this experience, because it may have just been like the version I watched or something, but you guys could tell me if this happened with you. It felt like the movie's sound was mixed really unevenly, where I felt like the dialogue was very quiet, but all the sound effects and the music were very, very loud, and like such that I, I kept having to crank up the volume during the dialogue, so it was like, there's a... My name is Whistler, and then but during the 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 action scenes, it was like we got big cars or whatever. Like it just was so just <laughs> slamming, and I kept having to like you know. So that was frustrating. Um, my best thing is going to be a combination of how physical the movie is. Uh, there are digital effects that are delightfully not good. <laughs> In oh, way, they have not aged well at all, and it was great. In a way that I so enjoyed, exactly. Um, but I loved how so much of the movie does lean on stunt choreography, you know? Just folks doing 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 fights. You know, Wesley Snipes mm-hmm. seems to be doing a lot of his own stunt work, which is great. Um, I, I really enjoyed the sets and the prosthetics and the makeup. Guillermo del Toro directs the next movie, so I'm super stoked to see what he's got in, the, in that arena and my other best thing about this movie is going to be uh the ending fight because there is totally a part (laughs) when blade shows up and then our bad guy deacon frost uh Mm -hmm. whose name is kind of a clue to audience members that you don't really need to pay attention to this movie (laughs) don't worry about it (laughs) you just go ahead play an angry birds blade will be there you got it and um Deacon Frost is like, no way, I got a bunch of stuntmen. And then Wesley Snipes puts on sunglasses, and I was like, this is as though Vin Diesel just put on a white tank top, because now I know this just got serious. <laughs> and Blade just starts, like, kicking a bunch of guys, and his <laughs> all the fight scenes, Wesley Snipes' eyebrows go up really high, like he's very surprised at his own <laughs> kicking abilities. And he just keeps like, oh, whoa, oh, another one. And he's just, like, smushing vamps left and right. But then... Uh, within the final confrontation with Deacon Frost, uh, Blade is trying to get these like syringes into him. That I guess that's is it a cure for the vampirism or some sort of like counter toxin or something? I don't know. It's something that if you, he has to inject into Deacon to kill him, and he keeps like stabbing him. And then there's one, and Deacon's like, "You can't throw that or whatever." And Blade just tosses it up and then spin kicks <laughs> it through the air. <laughs> <laughs> into Deacon Frost's forehead, and that was when I was like, now that's a good bite of soup. Alex? <laughs> I do think, it's just a couple notes there, I do think that is just the medication that Blake okay. has been taking that's to what I was resist the thirst. Under the impression Gotcha, of. gotcha. Because um, I know at the end, she's like, oh, I can cure it for you. I'm like, yeah. that kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? 
Because he um, uses he uses it on a couple of vampires, and they like ex- they like, all bubble up and explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we can get into that. I, I was a little bit he's, lost on some He's of half there. vampire, so it only half... I don't uh, know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, he just gets a little bloating, that's all. It's not... He doesn't explode like that. Um, but then also, the second movie also has a moment where he catches his sunglasses before a cool fight happens. Sure. So, Guillermo yeah. knew which elements to keep, is what <laughs> I'm saying. Um... I think my best thing is just going to be the general atmosphere of the movie. Sure. I think it, it, it has a really good balance between kind of like schlocky horror and, and like almost noir thriller. Um, cause it's and, like and, those and extra- that like 90s goth punk kind of yeah. vibe, for sure. Yeah. Because there's like those those really cool shots where Blade's just kind of walking out of a building and there's a bunch of newspapers just kind of blowing in the breeze and it's all really dramatic and, and fun. Um, I think Wesley Snipes just like, I feel like he's almost too cool in the movie <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Especially like when you get to the end fight and he's doing some poses and he's saying some <laughs> lines and I'm just like, okay, man, I know you got a producer credit, but. <laughs> oh, and he, he used it too. <laughs> he used it. Um, I think he just always yeah. had like the call sheet in his back pocket, whatever. Someone's like, Wesley, I don't know if we should. <laughs> <clears throat> but I do feel like, especially compared to a lot of modern superhero movies, this has a feel that's very distinct from mm-hmm. everything else. And I think I that that's probably mostly just because it's horror, but also just it's the late 90s, but it's competently made. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I was, I, I, it, it, there's a sense, too, of, like, fun. <laughs> like, I think yeah. the director seems to be having fun directing the movie. And right. the people in it largely seem to be having fun being in the movie. Um, which is nice. Like, I, I think that's a cool thing when you can have a movie that is darker in visually and in tone. And show that you can still do that and have a fun movie. Right. No, I completely agree. Um... My worst thing is just going to be that the story's flat and boring. Um, thanks, David Goyer. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot of interesting elements that could be could be really fun. I think Wesley Snipes and Stephen Dorff are really good in the movie. Um, Chris Christopherson is also a good bit of fun when he's actually on screen. Yeah. Uh, but even, like, the character of Karen, kind of our, our female lead, like, I, I'm I'm looking at her and I'm like thinking about how she's treated in this movie versus like the the women in bond movies and i'm like <laughs> she's so much better but she's also really boring and i think that's right. just because she's she's kind of flat and i don't know if that's the actress or, or just the writing it's probably the writing um yeah I don't they know, don't... just just yeah I, I, I do know what you mean like yeah yeah no i, I, know what you mean. I don't know what i was gonna say go on <laughs> but i feel like just having the plot it's it's interesting comparing it to superhero movies from around this time because it does feel kind of like what I said about the original X-Men movie. And I may have said this about the first Spider-Man movie. This feels like a pilot to a series. It feels like we're mostly just setting up the world and trying to explain it to the audience. That That is priority one, and priority two is telling a story. Because, like... Sure. 
What's the third act going to be? Ah, they want to summon a blood god. (laughs) They do. I I do have to say they use the the actual phrase blood god. And I have to. Any movie that does that (laughs) deserves my respect. Oh yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Did you like? Did you like a, a Deacon Frost hacker program that was able to transcribe those ancient writings? Sure. While he's just listening to his goth punk from the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really loved how he was wearing that like the that jacket with like the graffiti puff paint that said Yokiro Taco Bell on it. <laughs> he's like, man, if I can't only, wait though. to go play a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. This is gonna be great. That was the odds. Never mind. All I can say is Steven Dorff is a champ because he wore that haircut unironically. Sure. Yeah, so does anyone else think that Stephanie Meyer saw this movie before writing Twilight? That's very possible. I think that's 100% factually correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just... I, I agree with Tyler. The story's mostly flat, and it's just, like, bare minimum what you need to make a movie. Yeah. I I disagree a little bit in terms of the movie pilot, or the TV pilot thing. I remember, I know that I definitely said that about uh, X-Men way back when we reviewed that. Um, with this one, I feel like the third act gets, and maybe it's just because they didn't know what to do, and they were just like, and because I feel like the blood god element gets introduced kind of late in the game. Um I think a lot of elements get introduced too yes. late in the game. I think the reveal that his mother is alive happens too late. Sure. Um, mostly just because of how she gets taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The The movie definitely was losing me until I heard the phrase blood god and my ears just kind of like perked up. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> um, because to Britain, to your point earlier about the sound mixing, there were definitely lines that I did not like even here because i had subtitles on um i I usually watch movies with subtitles on just because i don't feel like messing with the volume that much um and this one definitely there were times where i was just like i'm basically just reading the movie for the scene um yeah yeah i i I agree and it also didn't help that a lot of the action scenes just had very generic sound effects Mm -hmm. like a lot of the punching and and kicking sound effects were like is i feel like this is like a a bad tv show (laughs) a little bit um, yeah, I want to a little more Hanna Barbera, like whoop, <laughs> yeah, splurt. Um, but about the third act, I I felt like that very much was a big, like oh oh crap, we have to you know make this have a real real big climax. Uh, you know we're we're making uh, a weird. Uh, I I don't know what other similar movies came out around this time that might have given them hope that this would do well, do kind of as well as it did, because I know it, it for for what it is, it you know it was obviously successful. Um, to me, it it really felt like they scrambled to put together something that would feel big, um, just because of the fact that like Deacon Frost is uh, exploded by the end. There, it doesn't really feel like they're he setting gets taken out very quickly Correct. in that final fight. Um yeah, which we should pretty good spin kick. I don't know if we want to discuss it now or, or wait, but uh we should discuss the fact that there is an alternate ending where we get to see the true blood god um that I'm quite disappointed <laughs> was not the ultimate vision for the movie that got released in theaters. Um I don't know if we want to go there now, but I would like to. So <laughs> then let's go sure. there. Why not? Yeah, yeah, let's go there. Tyler let, let's all get in the car. Because check our seatbelt. <laughs> Masks on. Alec, 
Alex, um, do you have all your snacks? Because we're not to- stopping once we get one to leave. More topical uh, coronavirus references. Um, yep. Zoom meetings. Aren't they funny? <laughs> What's those backgrounds, Zoom, huh? Zoom meeting in the car. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I admit, I messaged you guys while I was watching this because I was in the, like, the last 10 minutes of the movie and I was like, if there is not some giant CGI monstrosity when Stephen Dorff turns into the blood god, I'm going to be real upset. And they do have him explode in, in very uh, disgusting fashion. And so that was... That was good. I was like, okay, I'm 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 relatively satisfied. But then, um, Alex, you immediately notified me of the fact that there is an alternate ending of this movie with very poorly rendered CGI, and I don't know if the idea was that this was the CGI that was going to be in the theatrical release, and they decided not to go with it, or I don't know if this was finished or not. Is what I'm getting at. Um, it's probably not finished, but I do want to note that the version that is theatrical, the couple of times where, where uh, Steven Dorff gets cut in half or like when he regenerates yeah. oh, his yeah. hand, the visual effects are similar in quality sure. to what we get in this other version. <laughs> yes, and in, in this if, other if version. Our, uh, if any of our listeners have ever played the video game Final Fantasy VIII, you might uh, be able to visualize what, I'm, what we're talking about when we say level of computer graphics. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Um, the, in the other version... Which is like at least the the one I saw. It's on YouTube and it's it's shot in this very like. It looks like someone's recording it off of a laptop that they like snuck out of the the blade vaults at, at New Line. <laughs> like they you know they they stuck the flash drive into their laptop and they're like I'm recording this secretive information. Um, it's got like production information on it and stuff. And uh, Stephen it's Dorf, Wesley Snipes. It's Wesley it's, Snipes's camcorder. Probably. That's how he got it. <laughs> Um, the truth has to get out there, Tyler. <laughs> release the Snipes cut. Uh, oh my god! The... Sniper cut, please. The sniper cut. Um, Steven Dorff turns into just this massive blob of floating blood that just, like, turn. it sucks up Wesley Snipes in, like, a blood volcano, or volcano, blood tornado, um, and, like, he gets, he has to, like, drag toward himself towards the vials that will help him defeat the giant blood tornado and it's glorious and it's what I was hoping I would get at the end of the movie um and so like points off for not going for that because like why not <laughs> just you know I don't care if it looks you know like <laughs> the worst thing you've ever seen in a theatrically released movie I I you got to stick with the vision and I think the vision was full blood god so <laughs> See, it's it's funny because because Av- Avi Arad is is a producer on this movie, so I, I would have assumed he would have been the one pushing for the blood god ending. Just going, yeah, you know, guys, look how much. Think of how many blood god toys we can sell. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids love their Deacon Frost action figure. Let me tell you. And they've got Stan Lee in the room, and he says, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> You're not facing forward." <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an experience. I I do highly recommend. Even if you haven't watched Blade, yeah. go watch that ending. The ending yeah, is also largely watch the watch the ending to the Cloverfield Paradox, the only part of that movie I like. Sure. And by that you mean literally the last thirty seconds. Yes, if even thirty. <laughs> there are three of them. Um, there are. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's Cloverfield Ten, Cloverfield Lane, and Overlord. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And A Quiet Place, if we want to throw that in there, because sure. why not? I think A Quiet Place was actually supposed to be one, if I'm not mistaken. I think it originally was. 
Do we have anything else to say about Blaine? <laughs> um, I really liked how the uh, so so this is one of those like I don't know your underworlds or whatever where there's another world. Ooh, mm-hmm. and the humans can never know about it. Why? Don't worry about it. There's uh, a lot of scenes where all the like leaders of the vampires are all sitting around and it that the, those scenes were so funny to me because all the actors playing the like head vampires all just looked like extras you would see in any movie about a boardroom meeting but they were just yes, yes. and there was nothing vampire one guy had kind of a, a like a like a crazy beard but mostly they were all just like middle-aged guys just like I'm a vampire like it was I don't know I found that very silly um, and Donald Logue is a lot of fun in this because I like Donald Logue, <laughs> and he was insane. I I was a bit confused with with Donald Logue's character in so much as why didn't Blade just kill him? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I do appreciate that it's a running gag that that he keeps like getting dismembered or like losing a hand or whatever every time he runs into Blade. That's yeah. fun. But I, I, at a certain point, I was just like, I, I feel like Blade should just gut him and be done with yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even at the uh, yeah the very beginning of the movie, even it was kind of like he he sets him on fire. Well, yeah. it, it, it's it, even then he says like, I want you to send uh, Deacon Frost a message, and I'm yeah. like, but you're I'm a little confused about what's going on here because <laughs> he he sets him on fire, and then like the the police show up, and then he leaves. And then he gets attacked again in the morgue where when he goes to hunt the guy down, and it's like, well, why did you did you not leave him alive so he would go? Uh, okay. I also liked yeah, that it was, um, it was a bit weird. Oh well. No. I also liked that the uh, when the police show up, there are two guys there like from a different unit armed with fire extinguishers. Like, well, we got to go to the nightclub. We might need those fire extinguishers. Come on down. Um. <laughs> You gotta always be prepared, Britain. I'm just always saying. Prepared. And I did That's like the fourth the... blood dance this week. You know? <laughs> the scene where Wesley Snipes uses the train for two cool things, where he holds Donald Logue's <laughs> face against it to like shredify him, and then when he just like grabs onto it and like rides it at the end, that was good. Yeah. You're talking about the beginning. I really liked that opening. I thought that was I a good too. like tone tone setter for the movie. It was neat. It was a good, like, oh, this is, like, a crazy 90s, like, dance party that then became genuinely, like, gross. Like, the, when the sprinklers start yes. up and all the blood's coming out. Like, that's pretty nasty. And it was a great way to be gross without, like, this overcomplicated effect. It wasn't, like, guts and entrails and stuff. It was just mm-hmm. blood. But it was really effective. Right. Yeah, and then Wesley Snap shows up and just starts wasting people. Yeah. I am imagining, like, seeing this... Like going to see this in a theater in 1998 and sitting there in the, the audience and just I don't know that scene felt very cinematic to me in terms of sure. like yeah. just, just the sheer claustrophobia that got that the the, the helpless human feels when they're all just kind of like clawing at him and beating him up I don't know this were it, yeah it is a very effective opening I maybe the best scene in the movie I would argue so yeah and yeah I think in terms um, of like overall construction and stuff sure yeah. Talking about going to see a, a movie in, in 1998, I mean, we can talk about, like, the historical context of this. Because this is the first superhero movie released after Batman and Robin, which a lot of people thought right. 
killed the comic book movie. And Batman um, and Robin was when uh, it's like ninety six or ninety seven, right? Ninety seven. Yeah. Yep. When it was, I was thinking about this the other day. A lot of these franchises, because I've never seen a Blade movie um, before now, and a lot of the times when we do the a franchise, I've either seen some of the movies or I'm pretty familiar with them. And this is when I realized I don't know what people think about the Blade movies. Like I don't know what yeah. like the idea around them is. If people strongly feel one way or the other, which is kind of cool because I went in without like a okay, everyone hates this. Let's see if that's accurate or or, by, or the other way around. Um, but apparently some people think this movie is partially to thank for the superhero movies becoming a big deal again, which I guess... I I don't know. I, I, the timeline is... Because, I mean, I think of like the modern superhero boom started in 2008. But obviously there were... Right. There was a bridge between yeah. Batman and Robin in 2008 where you had the X-Men movies and Spider-Man. Yeah, this is this is more pre that this is the the movie that generally people would consider as starting that era pre um Iron Man or Dark Knight. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that it it I mean th- this movie probably just helped in small ways. Like yeah, I yeah. I would assume based on the tone that they're going for with the first X-Men movie, they look at this movie and they go, "Oh, so we can try and treat it a little more seriously. Like, we can still have it be a little goofy because they're comic books and superheroes, but we can try and right. make it feel a little more real. And that's, I think, where... And the, and also the, I think, body horror element. <laughs> I think you mm-hmm. see a little bit of that in X-Men as well. Um, oh, definitely, with the, the senator just turning into water. Yeah. There's some mildly gross stuff in that. And I think that's kind of what because basically you see in you know the early era of superhero movies it's basically you've got the superman movies you've got the batman movies batman 89 is like oh now we're we're dark we've kind of you know made this even though that movie is still quite silly if you watch it today it is a a much darker movie than your you know superman uh and so you follow the trail of that and then end up with oh now we're back at batman and robin it's very campy it's very silly and I, when did Superman four come out? In the eighties, right? It was, I want to say eighty. Oh, was it really? Okay, I was thinking that was later on. Um, so basically, no, it came out like right before Batman, I believe. Let me look at that real quick. That makes sense. Um, but basically, you've got two franchises that were started off the two most popular comic book characters. Basically, I don't know if. I mean, the you can make an argument for the X-Men or the Spider-Man in the 90s. Um, but by and large, at least for sure, the two most popular DC characters. And it's kind of sure. like you've watched these characters, you know, get one movie that everyone loves and then just slowly fall off the edge until <laughs> you've got some, a movie that everyone hates. And it's kind of like, well, what do you, where do you go from here? How do you make a superhero movie? Um, right. And I think the big thing about Blade is just that it's not relying on making you care about, you know, the heroes that you grew up reading about because Blade's not mm-hmm. like a super popular comic book character. Um, well, he's basically reinvented for this movie, right? Like, I, I think it's it's kind of similar to Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man where mm-hmm. in the comics prior to, to, to this movie, Blade isn't really like this. He's not dressed in, like, all black mm-hmm. leather 
and he, he's not like a, a super cool guy, but then after this movie, it, it kind of the comics start to take sure. on a lot of the aesthetics of this movie. I'm not really sure. That would make sense. Uh, that's that's my that's understanding. A, that's a pretty common phenomenon in with popular superhero movies in general, anyway. Um, but yeah, basically, it's like you you have Blade come out. And it's a movie that's successful, it's R-rated, it's violent, it's weird, it's a, it's about a superhero, maybe he's kind of like an anti-hero, but it's about a superhero from the comics. And I think that it does two really big things, in that A, it says, oh, you can take these characters a lot more seriously than we've been looking. And then also, I think it says, you can make a popular superhero franchise out of anything. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be yeah. Superman or Batman. And so I think yeah. that's the big takeaway is that because this comes out in 98 yeah uh, and then you've got x-men in 2000 and spider-man in 2002 if i'm not mistaken um and so i think it i feel like this was very much oh hey that that worked well let's let's go ahead and grab the two sort of biggest properties from um the marvel stable right now and let's make movies off them and this was also around the time when you get marvel selling off other movie properties because they went bankrupt because the 90s were both great and terrible for comics in a very quick succession. <laughs> it got it got real big and then real, real bad. Uh, and so I think you, there's just a confluence of events here that makes Blade the beginning of that weird era of comic book movies where they were still trying to figure out what a comic book movie was and you get your X-Men and your Spider-Men and your Daredevil and your Elektra and Catwoman and <laughs> such... A fantastic four and so that you you get this kind of kickoff of uh various sort of less beloved outside of the spider-man movies um franchises and superhero properties that they're just trying to find some way to kickstart into the next big thing because i at least if not all because of blade at least you know this is the where the trend started so that's where people are coming from generally generally when they mention that that makes sense yeah, yeah. and it's and, and also i guess after batman and robin tanked so bad in so many ways blade financially did well the reviews weren't terrible people liked it just fine so it's like okay maybe this isn't completely dead <laughs> yeah superman 4 came out in 1987 by the way okay okay uh roger ebert let me find it. There was a really interesting quote in here about German expressionism. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's uh, all I think of when I think about Blade, really. Oh, here he goes. Uh, it is another in a recent group of New Line cinema movies that combine comic book imagery, noir universes, and the visual heritage of German expressionism. I'd rank it third <laughs> after Dark City and Spawn. Huh. Wait, wait, wait. Ho, ho, ho. Third. Third. And Spawn is ahead of, of this movie, you say. He had some interesting uh, interesting, well, some interesting feelings, Mr. Ebert. Well, I've never seen Spawn, so I guess we have to do it uh, right now. Um, <laughs> All right, everybody, cue it up. Bonus the rest movie. of this episode is just going to be us watching Spawn. Uh, the, cape, the cape effects are really accurate. Um, <laughs> now, this is something I genuinely wanted to ask you guys about. So here's another quote from Mr. Ebert. Wesley Snipes understands the material from the inside out. It makes an effective blade because he knows that the key ingredient in any interesting superhero is not omnipotence, but vulnerability. 
So here are my opinions about this. One, I think he's absolutely right about interesting superheroes aren't like unfeeling. They're mm-hmm. they're quite vulnerable. I didn't sense a lot of vulnerability in Mr. Blade. In Mr. Arthur Blade. Well, that's that's the weird thing for me. I felt like in the action sequences he was always invulnerable. Like I was never no. even when he's fighting yeah. Blood God at the end, I was like, sure. I'm he's gonna take this guy out in the next couple minutes like this is he i know like he gets he gets put on his back a couple of times and it's like oh he's gonna kill him i'm like no nah, <laughs> but he was but he not. wasn't like emotionally i mean i don't know he he had some sad backstories but it didn't i don't know i i, I didn't see that in the i don't know i i may, I may I, have missed something I'm, but well I, I mostly saw that aspect in the scenes with whistler Particularly yeah. when he's taking the serum and he's trying to control himself. Like I, I really like yeah. that first sequence when we see Whistler inject him and he's and he's holding his hand while right. he's trying to control himself while the serum's taking effect. I really like that. Um, I, like we said, it's kind of slow and and we're just kind of waiting for the next action scene to happen a, a lot of times in this movie. But I, I did genuinely like the blade whistler relationship and whistler's death scene i thought was actually really really effective i agree and i i like chris christopherson it's really funny to me that he's in this movie because yeah. he's a songwriter from the 70s like <laughs> right and he is an actor i mean he's worked with scorsese like he's a he's an actor but it's just i don't know i was just like i wonder i wonder what the chain of events was that led from him writing help me make it through the night to helping blade make it through the fight oh oh and also the night that one though and the night which is <laughs> the night is bluest just before the blood um that wasn't good uh i did like <laughs> the, the touch of when he's having one of his expository monologues with with karen i, I think he's like cleaning his his brace his leg brace and he's like wiping it of rust or something I don't know. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. I was like, that's a cool touch <laughs> for a scene. Um, on that Ebert quote, I think the thing that stuck out to me from that line was the omnipotent part, because I think that's yeah. also probably something that was new to, I guess, people who haven't seen Spawn. I have not seen Spawn. I don't know what, what what's going on in that movie. Um, I hear uh, it's, Don't watch it. I hear it's great. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got the IMDb page open, so <laughs> don't worry. Um, uh, but... Uh, I do think that's definitely something you get when you look at a Superman or a Batman, the 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 movies respectively, um, just in terms of the character can kind of do anything, and especially I think if you look at the last couple of Batman movies where it really turns into Commissioner, you have thirteen minutes to thaw these people. Sure. <laughs> how how did you know that Batman? Yeah. Um, the where it kind of loses any sense of oh is Batman being a, a dark detective is he you know hunting down the criminals or anything it's kind of just like ah he just kind of knows where to just show up to fight the bad guys and he fights right. the bad guys and he wins so I don't know okay he's got a he's got a bat credit card handy sure <laughs> that's that's the difference Blade didn't have a Blade credit card um, you know? that's the difference so uh, just a real quick spawn. Uh, Spawn is described as an elite mercenary is killed but comes back from hell as a reluctant soldier of the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, this is from the uh, Todd McFarlane uh, character. It was yeah. directed by Mark A.Z. DePay. 
D-I-P-P-E <laughs> with an accent aigu. Um, it stars Michael High White, who's wonderful. You got your John Leguizamo as clown slash violator. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll, I'll, um, I'll go ahead and say this. John Leguizamo is the best part of that movie easily. I don't know. Martin Sheen is in it, and he's always great. But maybe my like favorite. Like I said, credit... John Leguizamo, best part of that movie, <laughs> easily. My my favorite credit on this is the actor Michael Papa John, um, as the <laughs> character. I'm Michael Papa John, and I play. This is his character's name, Glenn Zach's dad. <laughs> so I have my best thing already. If you guys want to cue up this movie. <laughs> <laughs> from flesh to steel from blood to blade from man to spawn ooh it's got crude humor <laughs> <laughs> well let's check here hang on I got the da, 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 da. okay violence and gore it's got about the same amount of content as Batman so that's not too bad there you go oh people drinking wine at a gala I don't know about ooh, that that's a no go for yeah. me yeah that's I'm not a gallus. That's a lot, especially right now. Come on, guys. I really like the idea of like your uh, your Disney ban on. I don't know if they still do this, but where they don't show any Disney characters smoking. I want to say that's that's something. I, yeah. I really like the idea of them doing that, but just with with wine specifically. <laughs> yeah. Just, nope, you can't. Sorry. Not 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 the gala. <laughs> How did y'all feel um, about Karen? <laughs> Seeing a clown in a cheerleader outfit may be frightening for some viewers. This is both a note for Spawn and life. <laughs> uh, Karen, I, I think, I, Alex, I think you were right earlier. Karen, on the one hand, is better than a Bond villain. She's not over-sexualized in the movie. Um, their love story isn't even really that. She's more of like the... Uh, uh, innocent human who who helps him out you know right. she's no, that's, that's why i appreciated it. about it there was never yeah. that kind of i guess this movie gets weirdly sexual at the end yes particularly with his mother yes. but the the scene where where blade has to suck the blood out of karen yeah. in order to kind of get himself <laughs> better for the fight <laughs> um which is uncomfortable. Yeah. I believe around the time we get some just incredibly bad CGI blood droplets. Yes. And well, yeah. the problem is, I think it's intercutting with with the the bat spirit things yes. leaving all the vampires and yes. going to Stephen Dorff. Okay. While I we're hearing that. Karen like moaning, like <laughs> that that audio is is over top of all yeah. of this, and it's just the most uncomfortable thing. It was crazy because in, like, one thing, you have one progress of of a scene where we see these bat skeletons, like, clawing their way out of a bunch of middle-aged guys' mouths. Yes. And that was awesome. But then it cuts back and forth to the same biting. <laughs> like, it was so... <laughs> it was so drawn out. Um, and the, Wesley Snipes, like, whole body was just, like, vibrating. Yeah, it's a little, uh, a little weird. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Karen needed... I, I like that they didn't fall into a lot of traps for her, but at the same time, she still wasn't a very interesting person. Yeah. Um, she really is the audience avatar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we, they just needed to give her some more personality quirks or, or what, but 
Like they give maybe her she that likes coffee. Maybe she's clumsy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe she like, like works at a magazine, ex- has a mean they give boss, her that boyfriend that just so she can have like a brief action scene at the end. Eh. Wait, an ex-boyfriend so she can have an action scene? Yeah, the guy who's at the morgue with her who gets oh, killed by yes, the yes, 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 yes. And he's you're right, like you're right. a zombie or something at the end there. I or did, I did that like that. Maybe it's just that he hadn't been given any blood, so that's what happens when a vampire just gets... That's how I took it. Yeah. What is he... He has a line that he repeated for, like, are you... Don't you... Do you have any regrets about us or something like that? Something like that. Um, but I like how they brought that back. I thought that was kind of cool. That was a... That, I, yeah, I thought that was a neat little moment. Yeah, but I feel like... W- <laughs> She forgets about him like so quickly in the movie yeah. that like that and and so that, do we <laughs> having him come back meant nothing. <laughs> I do well, no, really it wasn't like moving, but I do really like the scene where she's talking to him initially, and she's like, I think she tells him something along the lines of, "I know, you, you know, it's it's listen, it's over between us." And then he immediately gets murdered. <laughs> just <laughs> there's no <laughs> this this poor man just had a real one two punch just. <laughs> That's true. I did like the the fake out of like crispy Donald Logue just suddenly like appear like waking up on the slab. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I overall I think this movie it's it wasn't um, it wasn't inept enough to be a good bad. I thought it was fine. You know what I mean? Like it just it's, it's not. It's not what we would call thematically dense. Um, <laughs> no, but but like I think, and you know, we I think you can say this about a lot of movies. We're like, they're just waiting for the action scenes, and that's true. But it's also like the action scenes of this, I think, were largely well done. Yeah. And again, I like watching stunt people do fight choreography. Like, it it adds to my enjoyment of it. And I think um, with this particular movie, there's a, a real dichotomy in terms of you've got some just very very slow pacing outside of the action scenes and the action scenes are quite good <laughs> and so yeah yeah it's a it's a oh, weird scene where he, where he fights the young woman who just like he was like it's okay i can help you and then she just starts kicking at him mm-hmm. yeah that was awesome <laughs> that kid's really good at martial arts yeah the only action scene that i i thought was kind of a letdown and it's not really an action scene was um when they're chasing the, the cop oh yeah just because it's super sped up footage and like there's some shoddy green screen when they're showing like headshots of of Wesley Snipes driving the car yeah. that was uh, that was great <laughs> it was yeah. it that that was rough and i didn't really notice that in terms of like poor editing of action sequences um yeah through I, the rest of the movie i will also say uh this movie really had me convinced that they were going to let the villain just kill a kid <laughs> He, Deacon mm. Frost, at one point throws uh, a girl that he's holding hostage in front of a a bus, and Blade has to right. go and try and, and and save her instead of going after Deacon Frost. Um, and I really thought it was just going to be Blade goes after Deacon Frost and lets her get run over by a bus. <laughs> like at that point in the movie, I was like, I could see that. That would not surprise <laughs> me. Did y'all feel like they didn't 100% stick with the rules that they set up for the vampires? Because I was a bit uh, confused during some of the action sequences where, where Wesley Snipes would just, like, kick a vampire and they would disintegrate. Yeah. 
Because uh, he yeah, says, like, you need late, to go later for the head seem... or the heart, otherwise you're dead. Right. Because I'm later like, it so... seems to need to be a specific type of thing. Yeah, so, like, does does punching someone in the Does punching a vampire in the head really hard, does that kill them? Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know. It's a thing, I can't think of any other good examples off the top of my head, but it's something you definitely see in a lot of movies where the initial encounter uh, is uh, with, with some type of villain is very difficult and it's, you know, super hard to bring down the, the villain and then the only way they can really up the stakes is to just add more of them and so you also have to up mm-hmm. the ability of our hero to kill them. <laughs> so you, yeah. so by the end of the action scene, it's just kind of, I don't know, he's just kicking them and, he's, and they're dying, it's fine, just... Let it happen. Yeah, that's the scene where he goes into the building right before he he realizes his mom is still alive and then he gets captured. I thought that was a lot more exhilarating than his final fight with Deacon Frost. Sure. Um, mostly because I guess just them not going full blood god. I don't know. It, it's just kind of weird that Deacon Frost ends up with a samurai sword and he's as confident a fighter as Blade. I, that was another thing. Something. Is that? Did, um... Did they set that up at all? Did I miss something? Wesley Snipes in the, in that action scene um, sells the, like his his physical acting with the sword is much better <laughs> than uh, Stephen Dorff's. Why well, um, I think I I'll go, I'll go back on what I said earlier. I do think ultimately that fight scene is kind of disappointing, just because a lot of it is them just kind of whacking their swords yes. at each other. There's no fancy choreography or anything, right. at least in terms of just how they're using the swords themselves. I know Wesley Snipes is doing some flips and stuff, but yeah. nothing much beyond that. And there's a lot of, like, shots of their faces, too, so you're yes. not getting, like, a full Yeah, shot. Probably because they didn't really have anything exciting to put in the full shot. <laughs> just like, yeah. ah, I guess we're sword fighting now. Well, it, it does make me wonder, like, if they originally had the, the Blood God thing, and they're like, oh, this isn't yeah. working at all. We have to reshoot this if it ended up being a time issue. I... It's like, we, we just gotta get this done. We gotta get this wrapped up. I would almost certainly say that would be the case. Shoot, I mean, it could be timing, it could be budget, it could be, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe they yeah. they couldn't get the actors for much longer, so they had to make sure to film something they could get to film easily as opposed to plotting out a new sword fighting scene. Or I don't know. I did like Steven Dorff quite a bit in this. I think he's yeah. kind of an interesting offbeat villain that I'm I'm not really used to. I thought he was I thought he was quite a bit of fun. Yeah. I, I I mean I actually found him pretty familiar for movies like this. Or really just for movies in general that he's like, you know, a lazy rich playboy who's like, Whatever, I get it, old man. It's the wave of the future. <laughs> Whatever. I'm below the level of a priest but still a pastor. It's fine. <laughs> And um, also, I'm too cold actually... to feel emotions. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin Emma is also named Frost. Britain couldn't think of a joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I did like the scene where they kill Udo Kier with the sunrise. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Also, because I like that Udo Kier's name is Dragonetti. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is weird because in that scene they use uh, these like blackout motorcycle suits. Yeah, yeah. and I was kind of questioning why don't they just do that the whole time? <laughs> why don't they just? <laughs> they're, they're so they're so jealous of uh, of Blade's ability to to walk during the daytime. It's like you just did. I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah. It's not. 
Doesn't seem that problematic. <laughs> yeah. I do... Is it is it explicitly daylight, or is it sunlight? Like, if they're in the shade, are they okay? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't have answers for you. <laughs> hmm. I do definitely feel like Stephanie Meyer had watched this movie at some point before. And maybe it's... I, maybe it's not Stephanie Meyer so much as the people who made the Twilight movies. Sure. <laughs> um, but especially thinking about the comparison of the, the evil vampire corporation in this um, versus the uh, old vampires whose names I can't remember. And the Volturi. The Volturi. Yeah. It's okay um, if everyone's lost what little respect they still had for me because I remember <laughs> that they're called the Volturi. Uh, yeah, it it I get similar vibes where we're just introduced to a bunch of these people who we're told are big evil vampires at the same time. It's kind of just like, yep, they're uh, you should fear them. They're real yeah, bad. I really feel like they could have played up much more that they're kind of they have their grip on like all levels of of government and and the police yeah. and stuff. I feel like they didn't yeah. really play that up enough. Cuz I don't know that, that that seemed like something very typical in terms of like oh it's a secret organization they're in control of everything. We're not going to use that as an interesting <laughs> plot device or anything, you know? And Deacon Frost yeah. is mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think it would have been much more interesting if the plot of the movie was about kind of trying to find the the, the corporate board of vampires and, and taking them out as opposed to a blood god. No. I don't know. I feel like that, that would have been this, I, more interesting. This feels like a premise that very much lends itself towards Blade is hunting down particular a particular set of vampires and he's killing minor vampires to get to them. Sure. As opposed yeah. to there's one particular vampire who's who's given Blade a bit of, a bit of trouble. And that vampire is killing other vampires. It's a very, it's a very '90s, uh, early aughts movie plot. I feel like. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think the main reason I feel like this this comes off to me like a pilot for a show is just that ending where he does turn mm-hmm. down the cure and he's like, "There, there's a war to fight and there's still other vampires out there and it's not over yet." And I'm like, yeah. sequels. Yeah. That that felt very standard. Like, oh, we, we, there's gonna be more. <laughs> I think there was, I read something there was going to be, they had even more like sequel baiting in the movie, but then they were like, we don't know if this is going to get a sequel, so let's pull some of this like sure. heavier sequel baiting stuff. It yeah, may have been I about mean, uh, m- 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 Morbius. Yeah, and, and now now Sony is, is fulfilling the promise that, that this, this uh, deleted scene <laughs> made for us back in 1998, <laughs> guys. Now, now, it was Jared Leto the whole time. Correct. Remember when so movies, means... uh, when when they weren't sure if they would get a sequel, and that made them actually stop from putting in sequel baiting? <laughs> yeah. Remember when that was a concern? <laughs> so do we think yes. that in Morbius, the living vampire, starring Jared, Duke Jared Leto, do we think that he's going to? Do we think like Chris Christopherson is going to like roll up in that in that movie? 
and be like, it's gonna be Whistler. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I, I will say, watching this movie made me even more excited to see Mahershala Ali yes. take on the character in the MCU. I, I wonder about the MCU attaining the same level of darkness as this one. And that's, I think that's, that's like, my biggest level of con- or my biggest item of concern. Yeah, yeah. Do, does that have a director yet? That movie. There is like nothing known about it, and I don't. Has it been confirmed okay. that it's a movie and not a TV show? I don't know. Oh. I just know <laughs> that that basically Mahershala Ali called up Kevin Feige and was like, "Hey, I want to do Blade," and they're like, "You're you got it." <laughs> they're like, "Yes." He'll you're be asking great. us. He'll be a really cool Blade. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'll be awesome, but. Because there was that's... a Blade TV show that I didn't know existed, but was it did, there? starring Sticky Fingers. Correct. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. that's the whole. That's all. The... That's, 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 no, that's, that's the all TV you're getting. <laughs> that's all. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else, boys, or are we ready for letter grades already? Wow. Gosh, yeah, the, time, the time really flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the movie's okay. Whatever, I, I'll, I'll 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 give it a C plus. Sure, Britton, what are you going for? I'm gonna do I'm gonna do C minus. Yeah, I'm gonna do C minus. I do think it's a, a solid. It's a it is a better made movie than I was expecting it to be, especially when this comes from a director who's only made four movies total. One of like which a, is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and he's most he did more work as like a makeup guy and visual effects guy, but I felt like it worked out pretty well. It's just I don't really care about a lot of it, and most of it kind of just fades through me, like a ghost. <laughs> I thought you were about to say it worked out kind of well, except I don't really care about a lot of it, and a lot of it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Like a vampire. Yeah. <sighs> I might have to be the mean one this time. Um, <gasps> I, I think I'm going D+. Plus. Oh, wow. I, I really was not a fan. <laughs> um, Alex is the nicest one on the podcast this week. Yeah, and nice... that's probably just because I've seen the Blade movies before. <laughs> I know what's coming. Oh, God. Yeah, this have one... We, have we seen your favorite Blade movie yet, Alex? Or is it still to come? It's still to come. Cool. I assume. This one is probably the one I've seen the least, if I'm being perfectly uh, honest. I'll put it this way. Okay. This one, I, I feel uh, much of the non-action stuff is F-level. <laughs> wow. Um, so okay. I, I would argue, okay. for me, just in terms of how much I I was invested in enjoying it, I, it was very much like the action dragged it back into, okay, I can I can live with this. Now, <laughs> if you had not realized that David Goyer wrote the script, what would you give it? I, you know, mm. I can't. I don't think I can answer that. I don't. <laughs> it's too. Oh, we are gonna <laughs> eviscerate Blade Trinity. <laughs> it's it's just it's all wrapped up together. Now Goyer, so Goyer only did he write all three? Did Goyer he... wrote all three, but directed the third one. Okay. <laughs> and the second one is directed by. Wonderful filmmaker and world builder um, Guillermo del Toro. So I was just and very up. busy man. So for whatever reason, if you search Blade Two, 
most of the results are just Blade 2, the Roman numeral 2. Um, but you'll get some results, like specifically from uh, streaming sites like Amazon Prime and um, uh, Google Play, I think I saw, for Blade mm. 2, the number 2, dash Blood Hunt, which seems to be the same okay. movie. I don't know what that's referring to or why there's a difference. And there's also some that reviews. That makes sense. There's some reviews from like 2002, like movie reviews uh, of the movie that call it Blade 2 Blood Hunt. So I don't really know why there's a difference or why it's marketed some way that and why why there's two different marketing titles i don't really know um i did also see an article that said uh from gizmodo i think that said blade 2 is a um a very important guillermo del toro movie that does not hold up at all (laughs) i was like okay well (laughs) that's promising yeah he's he i mean we can talk more about this next week but he's he's an interesting director where it's i feel like he's written most of his like most of his movies are his movies sure so I'm interested to see what he does with, oh, I'm the guy who they hired to make this one. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which is funny because I, I feel a lot of people uh, criticize him. And I, I am not, I would say, he, I don't know that I've seen much of what he's done beyond like Pacific Rim. Um, I probably need to watch more of his stuff. But uh, I, a lot of people seem to criticize him for not getting stuff made. Like he gets his name attached to a lot of things, but doesn't actually get it out. And I think that's... The sad thing is that's because he commits to the the artistic vision he has, and he wants it to come out right. the way he wants it to come out. And so he's like, "Right, yeah, I think I'm going to step away from this." Like the the Hobbit yeah. movies, which is a super heartbreaking sure. thing we talked about when we reviewed those. So, and then he also, I mean, and he produces a lot. Like I didn't know he was so invest he was so involved in that Troll Hunters Netflix series. Hmm. Like he he's directed a few episodes of that. Like he's involved in it. It's like a re- hmm. it's like a thing for him. And like scary stories to tell in the dark, he had a big hand in. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a big. I haven't seen all of his movies, but I haven't. I, I have, to one degree or another, liked all of his movies that I've seen. Sure. Um, the one possible exception might be Crimson Peak, and it's just because I don't remember it very well. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is on Netflix, I think. If you want to check it? that one, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it is. It's great. Um. But uh, as we wrap up, uh, we are back to watching movies that are fine and not movies that I <laughs> love so deeply and so much I almost cry four times it's four weeks in a row. Um, so that means I get to do a recommendation again. Hey! Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, the movie I was almost positive I was going to recommend, I haven't finished watching yet, so I need to finish it before I can throw my weight behind it. Uh, so if you want to see cool um, action scenes with full shots of sword fights and a good story to thread them all together, I'm going to be basic and recommend Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I rewatched it recently. It's a fantastic movie. Like, there's a reason that that movie was so huge. It's it's so beautifully done. It's my favorite Ang Lee movie as of right now. Um, yes, including Gemini Man, which I haven't seen. Um but it's it's it looks amazing. The, it might have one of my favorite musical scores. Uh, it's certainly really high up there. All the performances. This was Chow Yun Fat's first martial arts movie, which is wild. Uh, is what brought Zhang Ziyi to uh, global stardom, and it has one of my favorite performances by the great Michelle Yeoh, who you never get tired of seeing her. 
Um, yeah, I really just recommend it. To, you'll never get tired of seeing her. It's me, the bear from uh, the Cleveland show. You, you morphed <laughs> into that. About... You really, to begin with, were were uh, the, the oh, what's his name? The the arm from the the Black Lodge and Twin Peaks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tyler, I looked up and saw a lot of exits off the highway, and they all had racist written on them. So I had to just. <laughs> I had to just jump into a whole new uh, whole new lane. Um, so basically, yeah, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's a super great movie. If you can find it, watch it, and then watch it again in the future, because it's really good. I have a recommendation this week. Oh. Oh, wow. Let's go. Hit it. Uh, since HBO Max just came out... Uh, mm-hmm. A friend of the podcast, Cecilia, and I got a got that the free one month subscription. Don't worry, everybody. I've got enough email addresses that when the Snyder Cut comes out, <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna just make a new one every month to be on Snyder Cut Watch. If anybody's gonna do it, it'll be me. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, so HBO put out a film. I think it was within the last year it's called bad education with hugh jackman and allison janney i've heard about i am this. not going to say what the plot is because i don't want to spoil it it's basically just the story of of hugh jackman who plays a superintendent and uh can't remember allison janney's role within the school but it's 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 basically just about like school politics and it's it's very very interesting and really funny and and really cool, and they're both they're both wonderful in it. Go watch. Oh it. yeah, Britain. I think awesome. I think you have heard about this because I mentioned it to you, but I also have not seen it yet. I just heard about it. So that, we'll... actually, Tyler, you're right. That is exactly <laughs> so we'll know about to, this uh, movie. I guess we'll both have to check yeah. that out. That's Highly recommend. Is this is it an only a- a- HBO Max exclusive? I think it's just an HBO original. Yeah. Okay. Saying. It's yeah. it's it's HBO Films production company. So okay, cool. I like Hugh Jackman. I like when Hugh Jackman gets, like, to do stuff we're not used to seeing him do, you know? Yeah. Because um, I think he's got a lot more talent. Um, you know, like, more, actually a lot more range. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, yeah, you know. Boy from Oz is also pretty good. Um, Ty- <laughs> Tyler, you seen anything cool? I know. Uh, anything you want to report? No. Here at this <laughs> weekly meeting. Well, you recently rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, didn't you? I did rewatch Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, uh, I don't have much to add other than like they're very good, which I think everyone yeah. is already aware of. Um, Sh- shocker, they hold up. Yeah, uh, there was a there was a particular standout moment to me rewatching them this time, which is uh, when um, Theoden. Uh, I, I won't spoil the exact context, I guess, if anybody listening has not watched Lord of the Rings. Spoil it! Um, but but Theoden is... <laughs> well, when he gets into How many car, hours did we put into talking about Lord sure. of the Rings? You can spoil it! <laughs> Theoden, king of uh, Rohan, uh, is is talking to his army, and, and then he just... He's... His his speeches in those films are just the best because he he just starts like getting really like metal. <laughs> He'll just start screaming like yeah. we ride to ruin. Um, and uh, he's so good in those. Movies. And then in this particular moment in Return of the King, he just starts screaming death, and his army responds death, and then it just goes back and forth like six times, and it's great. Oh man, 
Yeah, he's really, really good in those movies. Who's the actor again? Sorry, did you say? Uh, Bernard Hill, I believe. Yes, okay. or Bernard Hill. Yeah, I uh, I recently rewatched Fellowship, and I've just been sitting on waiting to do Two Towers, and I feel like Fellowship is now the one I've seen the most. So like, sure. I'm I'm really excited to go back and see all my all my horse friends. That's what I think of them as my horse <laughs> friends. <laughs> oh boy. Ah, uh, well, guys, I think we did a pretty good podcast. Um, you guys want to want to try this again next week? Want to see what we got? <laughs> yeah, this well, podcast thing is pretty neat. Let's uh, let's give it another shot. Hey guys, I, I, I am excited. You, hey guys, I have an idea. Let's record this next one, huh? <laughs> I am excited because you know this one was fairly standard, and I, I think all of us would agree it was kind of boring and, and forgettable for the most part. <laughs> the podcast yeah. or the movie? <laughs> no, the movie. <laughs> but the next one's Guillermo del Toro, and then the third one's a monstrosity. So I think <laughs> I am a bit more excited to sure. talk about both of those than I was this one. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> Tyler, do the thing. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Um, we're also on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And that's that's the stuff. That's the way the news works. <laughs> you remember that one? Hey, hey, 2010s kids, remember this? All right, I've been Britton. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. And you're having a good night.